Hello everybody and welcome back to the Dragon's Library. Today we have a last minute change, so I was supposed to be reviewing Ordinary Monsters, but I wanted some more time to work on that script to make it a little better, so instead I will be reviewing Dead End Paranormal Park, a new animated series on Netflix. The series caught my eye on the homepage a few weeks ago, so I checked it out and put the script together in preparation, uh, I believe last week. With the intro out of the way, let's go over the premise. This show is labeled as a horror fantasy comedy and follows two teenagers, Bar Barney and Norma. Yes, I know, Barney. Uh, after a stunt double goes missing at Phoenix Park, which is sort of like a Disneyland kind of location, Barney and Norma go to apply for a security position. When they get to the park, however, they are nearly tricked by Courtney, a demon trapped on Earth, into becoming vessels for a demon lord. Luckily, Pugsy, Barney's dog, interferes and after being possessed, ends up with the ability to speak and use demonic magic. Now hired, the two teenagers must deal with their personal issues while sinister secrets of the park and its mysterious owner, Pauline Phoenix, threaten their lives. What a setup, huh? Honestly, the show kind of reminds me of a bit of Disenchanted, a bit of Steven Universe, and a bit of Gravity Falls. But better written plot than Disenchanted, and a little below the other two, but those two are like iconic series, so what can you do? The setting is phenomenal. Phoenix Park is essentially a Disneyland, but Walt Disney only made live-action movies starring himself and also practiced dark magic so he can make deals with demons. And maybe heaven, it's a little unclear at that part. It is a wonderfully and chaotically entertaining place. However, the setting is only the first part, and that brings us to the characters. So, let's start with the main duo. Barney, voiced by Zach Barrick, is a transgender boy who's dealing with increased friction from his family, and after he gets the job, starts living at the park with the demon Courtney and is now talking dog Pugsy. It is revealed shortly into the show he did this as a result of a dinner with his grandmother, who spent the meal insulting and belittling Barney due to his transgender, you know, identity. The whole time, his parents just ignored it and afterwards even tried to excuse her actions, inviting her to dinner shortly before he went to go to apply to the job, again, ignoring him, um, you know, his feelings on the matter. And just trying to act like it's okay or at least tolerable because, you know, she's from a different time and she's a, her, his grandmother. Uh, I really like this conflict because it isn't that his parents don't accept him or his identity, which is usually the conflict between parents and uh, transgender or um, LGBTQ characters. It's that they see we see that they love him. We see that they accept him. The problem is that they don't accept him enough to interfere when another family member who they also sort of respect reveals that they're not okay with it. They start, they also show, the show also shows uh, Barney's brother who just wants his brother back, not entirely understanding why he left and just wanting him home. And then you have Norma voiced by Cody Kava, Kavithi, Kavitha, Co Cody Kavitha, sorry. And who is hands down my favorite character, mostly because I saw a lot of myself in her. After doing research for the script, I learned she's autistic, according to the author, which makes a lot of sense. The personal fact, I'm also on the autistic spectrum, and based on my experiences, this show did a great job showing the problems that can bring into a life. Uh, in particular, one episode when Nora has Norma has to confront her anxiety with other people, and the end is still working through it, like it's not an instant solve because being uncomfortable in social situations doesn't just go away magically. Uh, that really struck home, especially the way in which she's nervous. Like, once you get, your, get her into a conversation about something she's passionate about, she's in her zone. But if you bring her to, like, the beach, she doesn't really know what to do. And she feels just completely out of her element, very anxious about interacting with people out of a controlled setting. As someone on the spectrum, it can be really difficult for me to introduce myself to new people or just jump into a social group. And Norma's struggles with that really resonate with me. But I'll talk more about that in the spoiler section if I have time. 
In addition, you also have Pugsy, voiced by Alex Brightman, the talking dog with magic powers who is still partially possessed by the spirit of the Demon King. And after, and finally, rounding out the main group, you have Courtney, voiced by Emily Osmond, who acts as an instigator, sort of like Lucy in Disenchantment, a demon trapped in the human realm. She just wants to go home, but over time grows to care for her new friends. Like I said, she's sort of just Lucy. In addition to them, there's a small pool of side characters and Clinton Leup as Pauline Phoenix, the mysterious owner of the park, who you kind of see more later on, not going to spoil the twist with her. This leads us into the technical section. The voice actors do a great job, and the voice work comes alive in the final few episodes with some great musical numbers. I've been listening to My Frankenstein for days now. The writing is well done. There's a nice mix of drama and comedy with an undertone of horror. Nothing really scary, but enough to set a mood. Finally, the animation is good, but not, ama- not amazing, but the simplistic design makes the motion feel fluid, which, quite frankly, works for the series, and it's not distracting or bad, there's just nothing really stand out about it until that final, like I said, My Frankenstein, the whole musical number with that, fantastic job there. Animation, music, story, it's all great. With all that said, let's wrap this up. Dead End Paranormal Park is an excellent new cartoon with a good cast and a fun premise, leaning more towards comedy and drama than horror. If you go into it with an open mind and an understanding of what it's going to be about, you're sure to have a good time. I personally really enjoy the show and can't wait for the angels to start getting involved in season two. Nine out of ten, check it out if anything I told you sounds fun. Okay, with that done, we are moving into the spoiler section. Warning, there are actually some twists in this show, believe it or not. Uh, there's an overarching mystery, and most of the episodes at least partially move towards it or set up the characters that will eventually move towards it. So, with all that said and done, you have been warned. Massive spoiler for the end of Season 1. So, the big mystery starts out in the beginning. We basically flash forward to this uh, stunt double who goes missing in the park. And she vanishes, and a few weeks later, like a uh, while later, they eventually, I think it's like a year, um, they hide, They move to hire new replacements. But it turns out it's just a trap for the Demon King to possess somebody's body, because there's an elevator that leads to both heaven and hell. All the characters only really use it to go down in this season. Um, and the demon that's trapped there, Courtney, has been bound by these magical manacles that won't let her pass through the gateway. Basically, she can't get into the elevator. Her wrist won't let her through. The Demon King promised if she brought him a body that he would, you know, free her. But then he gets into a dog and it's like, well, you didn't bring me the leader of this world. Sure, read the fine print. See you, loser. And he goes off to try and conquer the world. They manage to capture most of his soul in a photograph, reducing his powers and allow Pugsy's personality to take over. But at times, the Demon King's uh, fragment is still constantly vying with him for control. So you have a dog with basically like semi-demon level powers. Which is really cool, and Courtney's constantly trying to uh, show him spells and magic so he can use these, the power of the Demon Lord to fulfill his bargain with her. Uh, basically, she's like, well, wait, you have the power of the guy I made a bargain with. Hmm, maybe I can use this. Uh, and she's constantly doing dumb stuff. Like, in one episode, she wants to scoop his eyes out because she thinks she might be able to use them to free herself. Uh, all in all, fun, nice fun things. In general, the show is just, like, a nice ten episodes. You get the, you know, obviously you get the fear demon, the horror movie parody demon, um, which has a nice uh, twist. I kind of like the uh, twist of that. See, the whole thing is that um, Norma is, like, a super fan of Pauline. And at the, at the, uh, at the they have to, like, do this, like, lock-in for a bunch of, like, middle schoolers, essentially. Um, Barney's brother is there, wondering where his brother is because he's not answering his text. Uh, not answering anybody's calls, and he kind of just vanished on them. 
And, um, meanwhile, Norma gets, finds this kid and like, everybody else goes off to do other dumb stuff while, you know, they try and summon the demon and everything. Well, the kid's sneaks behind and it's just like, and Norma's like, well, I guess I got a part of the movie. It's like, why? Because all the, they're making all this noise. It's like, oh, well, you know, the, we're about to get to the best part. It's like, I know, right? And they just like start going off with facts and they realize they're both super fans of Pauline Phoenix. And it's just like, oh my God. Uh, that scene was great, by the way. That's exactly how I get with conversations with people who actually have the same interest in me. Like, whenever I find someone who's really into something I like, um, I remember, like, one of the ways I've met some of my friends is by things like a shared interest in Minecraft and just starting conversations that last for, like, an hour. Um, that is, like, the quickest way to get my attention, honestly. It's just a mention of something I enjoy. The conversation can go around that, but, like, that is definitely a starting point for me. Uh, like I said, Norma's just a great character. I I am biased, I admit. <laughs> uh, anyway, they end up summoning this Nightwalker, essentially. Basically, it's a thing. It turns you into sort of zombie slaves, but the way it does it is by stealing all your sleep. So it basically steals all the rest you've ever gotten in your life. So you're essentially a sleep-deprived servant that's desperate to do anything for even a single ounce of sleep. Uh, so it basically turns you into like a sleep zombie. Uh, and the whole thing is they summon, like, a day hag. Oh, it's a night hag, night hag. And then they summon the day hag in order to summon her. It's just like, oh, sister, we haven't been here a while. So those, and their relationship is with a parody, Barney and his, his, you know, brother, so they can resolve that. And then they're like, hey, day hag, can you go finish her off or at least cure our friends? And it's like, hag? Why are you calling me a hag? It's like, well, that's what you're called in the demon dictionary. It's like, oh, my God, you haunt a village and take a few children for, like, a century, and they think you're just a hag living in a crowded little wooden cabin. It's like, I know, right? We should get out of here. <laughs> I just love that moment. That moment of, like, oh, wow, even though they're demons, just, like, are shit to each other sometimes. I mean, they are demons, so there. Moving on from that, we've got, like, the fear episode where basically this guy comes for, like, a counselor meeting. He gives people the skull that makes their worst fears come to life. Yada, yada, I keep moving on. You get what I'm saying, right? It just, you touch this skull, you experience your worst fear. Uh, Norma realizes it, and her fear is the whole anxiety thing I talked about, which is very well depicted, and I really like it, especially the way they didn't entirely resolve it. Like, she doesn't completely get over it. Uh, she's trying to interact with people more, but when they say, like, hey, Norma, you want to start playing volleyball? It's like, I I'm good. I'll just sit over here. Maybe, maybe next time. And it's like, okay. And they're just cool with that. Because, you know, some people enjoy just sitting on the sidelines. They don't have to involve themselves in every activity. Some of us aren't as socially active as others. I don't know. Like I said, it just, some of those scenes really hit hard for me. And it's very clear whoever wrote her uh, actually understands what it's like to live with this sort of stuff. Or at least knows someone who uh, has experienced it. It's very clear in the way she's written. Uh, one of the one of the things that like should have tipped me off that she was probably autistic was the way because uh, I have this thing where I'm really horrible with faces and names. Uh, like unless I see you on a regular basis for a while, I'm, or you have a very memorable name or face or something about you sticks in my head really strongly, I'm not going to remember you. I've had lab partners that I go to school with and like see you in lab for like months or entire semesters. And then within, like, a few weeks, I've essentially forgotten about them. I genuinely don't remember any of my lab partners from high school at all or college. Um, and I genuinely don't remember them by the next semester, usually. Most of the people I regularly went to school with were essentially blurry faces. Uh, there are, like, four names from elementary through first half of high school that stick out. And then there are, like, 
maybe double that for high school through college. <laughs> uh, the rest is just blur. I remember my teachers because they were important, but like everything else just fades away. And Norma has that whole thing. She literally is a lab partner to uh, Barney, apparently, during the school. And she was like, oh, um, I'm having names. Like, I was your lab partner for two years. It's like, I'm really bad with faces, too. And that's just made me go like, I, I feel you. I feel you. She also gets this big arc when she realizes that Pauline is actually, and here's the big twist, a ghost. Uh, she died, like, decades ago. And because her stunt double was like, hey, Pauline, you're getting a little too old for this stuff. Maybe you should let me do this stunt. It was basically a swing that was on the edge of this cliff as, for a life insurance commercial. Uh, and she was supposed to fall off, but not entirely. But when she was doing the stunt, it went wrong. She fell into the cliff. Her stunt double went after her, and she was dead. But... Pauline had apparently been messing with some really dark stuff over the years. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. So she came back as a ghost, immediately possessed her stunt double, put it on a wig, and went back to say, hey, stunt double went home for the day. Uh, she's playing an ankle game down here. I'm fine. Uh, and I proceeded to take over her body for decades, filming her movies. And one of the big plot points is that there's a magazine going around where the stunt double is claiming that she spent, like, years as... The last few years of Pauline's major career was her. And essentially, Pauline is basically trying to live forever through stunt doubles. Uh, she has a bunch of identical versions of herself in her Disney World as attractions. You know, they go to different places in different outfits from all her different appearances in movies. She has, like, basically all her, like, her sci-fi, her western, all the stuff. And... The different stunt doubles are essentially graded in track for the ones that are the best fit for her. And the last stunt double that went missing turned into her body for the last year. But she apparently didn't last that long, so now she's looking for a new one. Or she is midway through the series. Uh, they even find the stunt double's soul in the sort of purgatory possession dimension during a possession episode. Where the dog and demon possess the two to get them over their like romantic troubles and all that nonsense. Uh, and she's just lost in this place. And then when she gets back, she's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Because, you know, she has an angry ghost perfectly willing to take over her body again for a few more years. Uh, the stunt double lost decades. She's, she's like really bitter and now like the janitor. And we find out and she's like, I lost decades of my life and I've just been searching for that video. The video that shows that proof that Pauline died that day and used me as a freaking puppet. And I'm like, yeah, if I lost 20 years, the best 20 years of my life to a, you know, to someone I considered a friend who possessed me and used me as a meat puppet and then left me with nothing while taking all the credit for the action she did in my body. Oh, and then destroyed the evidence. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed. Um, the kids managed to find the video and are about to expose her. But Paul, while they were in this a weird pocket dimension of all Pauline's different videos and movie roles, um... <laughs> Pauline essentially took over a few more bodies and banned them from the park, saying they were traitors and had trashed a whole exhibit and everything, so they were banned for life. Yeah, not great. Not great at all. Anyway, they have to sneak back in there because Pauline's looking for, like, the new uh, body. After teaming up with a few people, what they do is they end up using Pugsy's magic to basically put an illusion around Norma, who's thoroughly pissed off at Pauline because she, you know, hero-worshipped her, and now she's realized she's kind of a monster. Like, literally a monster. She's a ghost now. Uh, and she essentially has this whole musical number of, like, you're my, you're my Frankenstein and I'm your monster. And that song is amazing. They have this whole thing where the illusion is constantly fading and flickering with the lights that only... 
but it's very clear, like, everyone else sees this almost like a perfect copy, like the ideal duplicate body Pauline has always wanted. Um, down to, like, specific birthmarks of us, like, it's perfect. Um, meanwhile, Norman is just ranting it out in a song. It's great. I love it. Fantastic. There was also, like, other staff members. They have these two guys, one of whom Barney's really into. Um, they have, uh, pairing up with another, one of the other girls. She's, like, the head assistant manager, I guess you could say, of the teenage staff. Uh, her gimmick is that she's essentially just perfect, like, all the time. Like, every time she needs to do something, she's like, yep, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. <laughs> I wouldn't even say she's a very suit, because she's almost like a deconstruction of, like, the almost, like, overly competent child. Because she's like, yeah, I'm perfect at everything, and I kind of hate it. Can you guys not call me that? Can you just, like, call me, like, Death Coaster or something like that? I want to be a little bit of a rebel. Uh, but she's too confident. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading a little too much into that character. Maybe it's just, like, a plot device at this point. But I kind of liked it, and I liked her uh, interactions with Norma. It's fine. Uh... All of it's great. The park is just really wild and crazy. You got like the Western land. You got the, you know, lovey dovey, uh, old timey lands. You got all these crazy places, the haunted house where it all takes place. And that haunted house. Okay. So during the movie, it's really unclear. Um, during the show, it's really unclear if the elevator had always just been there, if the demons created it, or what the deal with it was. Um, and during the end, after Pauline possesses Norma, uh, because their plan kind of failed because Courtney betrayed them. She goes over there to talk to Courtney before that. And she's just like, why don't you make a deal with me? Help me get my want. And you could do whatever you want. Like, go home. I mean, I have all this power now. Uh, and he's like, how could you get me home? It's like, darling, who do you think made the elevator? So apparently... She made this elevator, uh, which implies she's been, like, essentially making deals with demons. Potentially, that's how she became such a big star, you know, was so beautiful for so long. As Lacey, she bought years, or she did something, some kind of deal, um, and helped construct the elevator, which was eventually going to be used for a demon lord to come up here, gain a human host, and conquer the world, which was the deal Courtney made with him. So, there's a lot going on there, and interestingly, it's a deep, the... Elevator is implied to also go up. We see buttons that go up from Earth for the higher realms where the angels and heavenly beings go, aside from the demons, which are down. Um, and midway through, after essentially the demon lord's sister comes and helps him take over, um, and Courtney betrays everyone else, and she's and he's like, "Can you please just free me? I just want to go home." Uh, and she and she's like, "Oh, darling, any enemy of the angels is mine." It's like, wait, what? What do you mean angels? It's like, don't you know? Those are angelic bonds, not demonic. Of course, as a demon lo- demon nobility, I can destroy those easily. <sighs> go on home, little demon. It's like, oh, that's one more annoyance out of the way. Better just let him go home. We could use more de- treacherous demons like you in hell. So it's really interesting, because Courtney was very unaware that the curse was angelic. She seemed to think it was demonic. Um, she even calls it a, a demonic curse a few times, I think. Or at the very minimum, she thought it was either earth or demonic. She didn't. She was very surprised when she heard it was angels, which is really confusing. So how did an angel curse and bind her to that area without, you know, her knowing it was an angel? Like, it obviously wasn't um, Pauline. Pauline's implied to not even have known she was there, or at least not have paid attention to her, you know? 
Like, she was beneath Pauline's notice. Pauline was just obsessed with her legacy and remaining eternally useful. She was just body hopping and going to, mo- and you know, starring in movies over and over again, running her park. She was unconcerned with apparently a demon who was squatting out near her uh, elevator for a while. So, I'm really interested to see, because at the end of the series season, uh, when you see Pauline's ghost floating around, you see... She's like, oh, well, I'll get my vengeance. And then she just sees this strange thing with, like, a bell for her head. And it's like, what the hell are you? It has a halo, so it's obviously some kind of angel or cherub or something. Honestly, I would love it if they go for, like, the biblical cherubs. Uh, read Dante's Inferno if you want to know what that looks like. They have, like, three heads. One of them is a lion, like, seven or eight wings. It's crazy. Like, seriously, they do not look like fucking Cupid. Uh, not at all. Mm. Anyway... That's basically it. Uh, you know, the characters have to give over Pugsley's body at one point, and they end up fighting, banishing the other demon. The demon king ends up leaving Pugsley entirely, getting his soul back to normal, heads back to hell. It's like, all right, fine. You help me out, and I have a soft spot for you all, so I'm going to go home. I will be back in a few centuries for another body, but for now, yeah, you can keep the ability to talk, sure, whatever. Uh, and so now we're going to deal with the angels, who apparently say they've been looking for these kids for a while, so... Some kind of biblical war is about to start up. Yay, lots of fun there. Mm. Gonna be interesting. So, uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to this next season. Mostly because, like, Pauline is either gone or, like, imprisoned by the angels, so she's not gonna be a major factor. But she runs the park and there's, like, a major presence for it, so what's gonna happen with that? Plus, we have the demons and the angels vying for control of the, what they call the neutral plane, which is Earth. Um, one of the largest planes of existence, and it's also the neutral ground in between heaven and hell, where they're supposed to not directly interfere. And apparently the demons trying to conquer it has crossed some line. So, yikes. Let's get, I can't wait to see you, because I really, really do want to learn more about the lore and what's going on here. Like, who built the elevator? Like, did Pauline really build it? I mean, she's a notable liar. She lies all the time. She stole one's life for like 20 years and lied about it the whole way. Uh, so we can't really trust her when she says she's the one who built it, especially since she was only saying that stuff uh, just to get Courtney to work with her. She couldn't even break Courtney's bond. She admitted that. I don't know how to break your bond. So she might have been lying about having built the elevator, although she was clearly making deals with demons and angels and stuff like that because she seemed to have an understanding of uh, the supernatural and the cult. Plus, you know, it's her theme park that was built on top of it and a entire building based on one of her shows that she took over other people's bodies in, and she even hunted down the um, stunt double in the beginning intro in that building. So she, at the very least, knew the elevator was there and used it for something. It's unclear. All in all, this is a really fun show with a lot of interesting things. Got some cool LGBTQ representation, if you're into that. Um, it's got fun characters, cool premise, vaguely reminiscent of some weird mishmash of Disenchanted, Steven Universe, and Gravity Falls. Which, you know, all good things to grab inspiration from. Like I said, 9 out of 10. Would recommend. Check it out. So, uh, yeah. Uh, also, I had some serious problems with streaming this past week. So the Stray stream is probably going to be taken off. And I'm going to be taking... Because I got recordings of all of it, luckily. I'm probably going to be comp- turning that into a compilation. Uploading that sometime. Um, next week, I should have my Ordinary Monsters review done. And I will also... I'll uh, be working on my Stray review, so you'll get a book review and a video game review next week. I know, two of my rarest reviews coming out back-to-back. Sounds like fun, huh? So, uh, yeah, I will see you guys next time, next week. Bye!
I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you for listening to The Dragon's Library. Please, subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes. The Dragon's Library releases new episodes Tuesday and Friday each week, and you can follow us on Twitter at dragon underscore library 2. If you want to suggest an episode topic, my email is in the description below. And as always, thank you so much for all your support.